Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. I want to thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and happy you're listening. Well, I don't know if you saw the interview that Tucker did with Elon Musk, but I found it to be really interesting. And this guy is is really kind of amazing, an amazing guy. Now, I, look, I don't like everything that he does. I think, I think one of the things that Elon Musk has done that he's just now realizing that he's done, and it's too late, is he's kind of put his... Um, he's kind of put his talent in the service of government or, you know, these large government visions like electric cars, for example. And, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's even possible for him to, um, to not be able to claim electric cars anymore. I mean, he was so pivotal and he's, uh, evidently believes in it, but I don't know if I, I'd love to ask him if he feels like that he's on on balance if he's put his his talents in the service of government and does he regret that uh, buying Twitter was clearly a, a way to offset that and um, and Twitter is definitely better I mean I, I've used Twitter before and I was using it and I use it now and if you want to follow me. I'm, I'm not on there a lot, but I every now and then what I like to do is I like to troll people. So what I'll do is I'll ask people questions that are obviously, you know, they're designed to make their comments look stupid. And I like to do that. It's entertaining for me. And, um, and then I tweet a lot. I just, I just retweet a lot, like, especially if it's COVID related. I, I really think, um, COVID is going to, not not just COVID, the, the, the existence of COVID, but the response and the uh, mass uh, gene therapy campaign and the compulsion around it, I think is going to be a complete disaster. Uh, we just incidentally, we, we, we see documentation from Pfizer that shows, um, a 23% increase in all-cause death uh, from taking the gene therapy. And what do we see in the aftermath of all the vaccinations? About a 20% increase in all-cause death. So uh, you start doing the numbers on that, and you're talking uh, that the actual shot could, I'm not saying it will, it could kill as many as 20 million Americans. Um, and that is significant. I mean, that is 20 times more Americans that it quote unquote saved or even died from COVID. So I think, I think there's going to be a massive fallout from, um, from that. Now, most of these people are probably not going to die right away. They're just going to have miserable autoimmune disorders that they're going to have to live with. And their life might be cut short by 10 or 15 years. And that's very depressing. And if, if you're one of these people, I, you know, I hope 
that you're not one of the 20%. Um, but a lot of Americans were tricked into taking this. They were forced into taking this. And I just think it's, you know, it's pretty typical. I mean, you if you put your talents in the service of government, government will find some way to make you regret it. I just think that's the nature of it. Uh, but Elon Musk is um, is a very interesting guy. You know, he and a, and a partner started PayPal years ago, and they sold it uh, to eBay for like one point five billion dollars, and in stock. and And uh, I think Elon Musk's take in that was about two hundred million dollars. And this guy, I mean, think of think of how gutsy this guy is. How much confidence he has in his ability to just start something, you know. He took all of his money and he started Tesla and SpaceX. And that's incredible when you think about it, you know. It's a very, uh, this guy's risk-taking is no big deal for Elon Musk. So today what I want to do is I want to play the section of his interview that talks about AI and his role in uh, initially in open AI to offset um, Google's version of AI. Uh, apparently, Elon Musk and Larry Page with Google were close at one point, and they used to talk about AI. And once Elon Musk figured out that Larry Page didn't give a crap about the species of human being species, you know, that's when uh, Elon Musk created OpenAI. So I think there's some interesting stories in there, and I want to I want to just play it and, and, and then break in and comment here and there because there's some really interesting um, aspects to this OpenAI, or not OpenAI, but just AI in general. And, uh, and there's also some scary potential realities associated with it. So I thought this would be a really good topic to discuss today. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's go to the Tucker Carlson interview of Elon Musk. What's happening is they're training the AI to lie. Yes. It's bad. To lie. To That's lie. exactly right. And to yes. withhold information. To lie and, and yes. And, and um, to, to, yeah, exactly. To, to either you know, comment on some things, not comment on other things. But but not to say what it what what the data uh, actually uh, demands that it say exactly. Um, so, um, how did it get this way? I thought it's, it's, you funded it at the beginning. What happened? Yeah, well that would be ironic. But faith, the most ironic outcome is most likely it seems. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm stealing that. That's good. That's actually from a friend of mine, Jonah, who came up with that one. I actually have a slight variant on that, which is the most entertaining outcome is the most likely. But that's entertaining as viewed from a third-party viewer. Um, but it seems so, true in this case. So you gave them, uh, did you give them a lot? I came up with the name and uh, the concept and pushed, uh, had a number of dinners around the, the Bay Area uh, with, uh, you know, with, with some of the people, the leading figures in uh, AI. Um, and I helped recruit the initial team. Um, in fact, the, the, uh, Ilya Sutskaya, who, who was uh, really quite fundamental to the success of uh, OpenAI, uh, it was, I, I, I put a tremendous amount of effort into recruiting Ilya, and he changed his mind a few times and ultimately decided to go with OpenAI. But if he had 
not gone with OpenAI, OpenAI would not have succeeded. I, I really put a lot, a lot of effort into creating this, this, this organization to serve as a counterweight to Google. And then I kind of took my eye off the ball, I guess, and uh, they are now closed source. Um, and they are obviously for profit and they're um, closely allied with Microsoft. Uh, you know, in effect, Microsoft uh, has a very strong say, if not um, directly controls uh, OpenAI at this point. Um, so you really have an OpenAI and Microsoft situation and then at Google DeepMind uh, are the two sort of heavyweights in this arena. So he gives you a little glimpse into the founding of OpenAI, and he mentions this guy, Elias Siskaya, who I'm, I suppose is some brilliant programmer or something, and he basically gives this guy a lot of credit that OpenAI would not have succeeded without him, most likely. Um, but it sounds like they went down the, the, the path of aligning with Microsoft, and of course, Microsoft is a for-profit company, and they're looking to see how they can use AI to make money. And, you know, that's not really Elon Musk's concern about AI. I don't know if you've seen some of the demonstrations of AI, but you can ask it a question. You can even give it a prompt, like, Give me 2,000 words on, uh, you know, Austrian economics. And it'll just, it'll bust out 2,000 words on Austrian economics. And it'll be beautifully written. It'll be uh, grammatically correct. It'll be punctuated elegantly. I mean, it'd just be perfect. And the reason, as I understand, the reason that happens is because it, it quickly goes out and it looks at all available information and it, and it somehow figures out or distills the best information about that particular topic and kind of takes from here and there and puts it together. And so you, you literally, let's say that that topic um, has been written on by, let's say, 300 people. So you're taking comments and, and work and writings from 300 people and distilling that down into, you know, 2,000 words. So the other night we were talking about the market versus the experts. And I mentioned that AI is really uh, kind of a competitive counterweight to the market, right? Because you can, you can get a collective expert in something like AI. And uh, this is maybe a benefit, maybe not. We don't really know. Um, what Elon Musk talks about later in this interview, he talks about how they're, they're partially teaching it to be politically correct. In other words, being politically correct is part of the guardrails that they've put around uh, the AI models at, at both Google and at Microsoft. And, you know, politically correct speech is just another way of basically telling lies, right? I mean, um, it, it, you know, anytime you 
say something is politically correct or not politically correct or whatever, what you're really talking about is you're talking about um, kind of an ideology that is supported by the the in crowd, right? And um, if you if 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 what's comes out of AI is only uh, the official uh, response to anything, well, then that's that's not really the truth, right? That's that's a that's a version of uh, of reality that that could be a complete lie. And he talks about it here in a minute, but he's he's worried that that AI will just lie to people and shift their reality, basically. And we have that now. I mean, it's not it's not far fetched to believe that that's possible. We have that now. We have the news media telling people lies. I mean, big whoppers on a daily basis. And you got a huge segment of the population that believes it. In fact, if you if you try to tell them that it's not true and that what's actually true is something else, they'll call you a conspiracy theorist. So this is a potentially a real problem for the body politic and and by extension uh, human civilization so it seems like the world needs a third option yes so I I, I, I think I will create a third option um, although starting very late in the game of course can it um, be done I don't know I think it's we'll, we'll see it's uh, it's definitely starting late um, but I will I will I'll try to create a third option, um, and that third option hopefully does more more good than harm. Uh, like the intention with OpenAI was uh, obviously to do good, but it's not clear whether it's actually doing good or whether it's. I, I can't tell at this point, um, except that I'm worried about the fact that uh, it's being it's being trained to be politically correct, which is simply another way of of being untruth saying untruthful things. Yes. So that's that's a bad sign. There's certainly a path to AI dystopia is to train AI to be deceptive. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to start something which I know you could call Truth GBT or uh, a maximum truth-seeking AI that tries to understand the nature of the universe. And I think this this might be the best path to safety in the sense that uh, an AI that cares about understanding the universe uh, is unlikely to annihilate humans because we are an interesting part of the universe. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> they would think that. The first thing I thought that was interesting about this clip is it almost seems like he just made a decision to create a competitive AI right there in front of Tucker. I mean, go back and listen to it. It almost sounds, it literally sounds like he said, you know, he thought about it and said, yeah, I'm going to create a competitive AI. Now, it's very subtle what he's, as he's thinking about this, you can tell this is not like as simple as just having another language model that studies the internet and all the writings of the internet and coalesces all those into some different AI, right? Uh, because once, once AI is out there, it becomes part of the language model and effectively corrupts what any kind of new AI comes along. So, that's why he brings up the whole universe thing. He's he's trying to think of um, how could 
you know, what kind of um, point on the horizon could I aim the AI at so that it would not harm humanity um, and give us more of a truthful experience? You know, I, I don't know if anybody, if you, you know, if you're listening and if you've ever thought about it, but you know, reality is something we perceive. Okay, it's it's something that you use your your eyesight, your smell, your senses in general to perceive reality. It's it's a it's a perceptive kind of uh, notion. I mean, if you want to get real philosophical and everything, there's. There's like no such thing as reality. There's only uh, people perceiving their reality. And then there's some agreement about the existence of a particular reality. This is why you can, this is why so many people can be deceived is because their, their senses basically mislead them they 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 find themselves um taking what they hear what they read and coalescing it into a reality that they that they hear that's reinforced by news media or family members or whatever co-workers and they don't have enough of a of a counterbalance um different reality that they've perceived differently to kind of counterbalance that. And and then you couple that with a lot of people don't think logically. They don't, they don't know how to think. um, uh, They don't know how to take something complicated and break it down into smaller parts. And then effectively what you do when you do that is you test logically in your mind, all the smaller parts. And if all the smaller parts meet, a logical test as truth, then the then the the series of all those smaller logical parts are then true. But a lot of people don't know how to do this. They don't. They don't. Their minds don't work this way, and so it's very easy for them to be deceived. And and this is why I think we really have um, we've really got a population that that earnestly believes. I, I really I really think people earnestly believe. I think AOC earnestly believes that the planet is going to burn, the oceans are going to boil and then rise, and and that somehow government um, is smart enough and knows exactly how to solve the problem. And oh, by the way, we've already figured it out. It's too much CO two. Now CO two is a is a trace gas. You know, this is. This is some incidental information that someone who was really thinking about it might might consider. You know, it's a trace gas. It's about you know point oh four percent of the atmosphere. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of other things uh, in the atmosphere that are between the Earth and the Sun. A lot more things uh, uh, than just CO two. And so for, for somehow to, you know, to land on, yes, it's CO2 that's warming the earth and that's that, you know, and, and they give it this fancy name, greenhouse gas. It, it's really, it's really pretty absurd. It's not impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible, 
but it's just absurd. I mean, we, we have water vapor, like, like I live in Houston or in the Houston area. And when the humidity is high, the, 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 the nights don't cool off, right? The humidity, the moisture in the air tends to hold the heat close to the surface of the earth. Well, why, why couldn't this be the source of global warming? Well, I submit to you, it could. It could be the source of global warming, if there's such a thing as global warming. But then look how absurd that would be. What, we're going to eliminate water vapor? We're going to eliminate the very thing that is critical for life? You, you see, you can't go there, right? So it's got to be something else. It can't be water vapor. But we can all tell just by you know, paying attention to our senses that water vapor has much more effect on the Earth's cooling and heating than CO2 does. But somehow we've all fallen for uh, the CO2 boogeyman. And this is, uh, now I, you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, Seth, you're just wrong about that. And that's fine. I mean, you can, you can have your opinion. But I think if you look deeper into this, you'll find that there are many, many, many other things between the earth and the sun that could be causing some sort of warming, uh, assuming there is warming, other than CO2. And that's the only point I'm trying to make. I, I think, it, you know, because, yeah, like, like, we, like humanity could um, decide to hunt down all the chimpanzees and kill them. But we yes. don't because right. we're, we're, we're actually glad that they exist. Yes. And, um, and we're, we aspire to protect their habitats. But we feel that way because we have souls and that makes us sentimental and reflective. It gives us a moral sense, longings. Can a machine ever have those things? Can a machine be sentimental? Can it appreciate beauty? Well, I mean, we're getting to, into some you know, philosophical areas that are hard to resolve. Um, you know, I, I, I take somewhat of a scientific view, view of things, which is that we, we might have a soul or we might not have a soul. I don't know. Um, it feels like I, we have, a, I feel like I've got some sort of consciousness that exists on a plane um, that is not the one we observe. Yes. That is certainly how, how I feel, but it, it could be an illusion. I don't know. Um, but for, for, um, for AI, uh, in terms of, of, of uh, understanding beauty, it's a different sort of appreciating beauty and being able to um, create incredibly beautiful art. Yes. Will AI be able to create incredibly beautiful art? It already does. Yes. I know. If you see some of the mid journey, uh, I have this stuff. It's incredible. It is. Um, so, um, no, no question that it can create art that we that we perceive as uh, stunning, really. Um, and um, it's doing so still images now, but it won't be long before it's doing uh, movies and shorts and you know, like movies, just a series of frames with audio. The thought experiment that he offers here is pretty interesting. You know, humanity, he says, humanity could decide to round up all the chimpanzees and kill them. But, you know, we actually don't do that. We like to observe chimpanzees. We're concerned about their habitat and so on and so forth. But he, he's right. There are, But even, even without AI... <laughs> We have done things like that. Human beings have done that. Uh, in in the run-up to World War II, 
the German regime rounded up Jews and other uh, people that were not uh, favored in society and killed them. I mean, so uh, think about how much easier that would be if you had an AI pointing, you know, literally focusing everybody on a, a particular culprit, a, a boogeyman. And this is this is exactly what Elon Musk is talking about. He's talking about um, the the politically correct piece. The the it, it's 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 actually a, a perfect, a superb tool for manipulation. And this is. Uh, potentially very very dangerous and and so that's that's what that's what uh, Elon Musk is getting at now Tucker's he, he kind of totally missed it I think he says well you know the reason we don't round up all the chimpanzees is because we have a soul well and, and Elon Musk I think his response is is perfect I mean you you can't say for sure whether you have a soul now we you know Christians you know we Christians believe that we have a soul, right? That's because we read the Bible and we believe the Bible is from God. And so we, we believe that we have faith. Okay. But, but Elon Musk is absolutely right. There is no way to know whether we have consciousness or, you know, we have a soul or we don't have a soul. We might have a soul. We might not. There's no way to know because all we have is our tools of perception. And, you know, I like to call it uh, the bullshit detector. <laughs> and I feel like I have a pretty good one, you know. Some people do and some people don't. Some people have a really good one. I mean, I know guys that can see things even before I see them. And, you know, they have a, and that's just having a good bullshit detector. But your tools of perception are, that's the only tool you have to try to live out your life as a man, as a human being, okay? And if you abdicate uh, your tools of perception to, uh, I don't know, get along with the group or toe the party line or, uh, like, to me, the Democratic Party is very much this way. I mean, it doesn't matter, it seems like, what the Democratic Party does the enemy to the Democratic Party is always the Republican Party. And so the the Democratic Party can do something that's just totally abhorrent and awful and nasty and anti-human you know human being. But if you're in the party and you're a political animal, you are towing the party line. And this is this is kind of uh, this is a this is this is how it shows up in my opinion. This is this is what it looks like to just ignore your tools of perception. And effectively what you're doing is you're abdicating your uh, responsibility to live as a human being. I mean that that's very deep and very philosophical, but this is this is this is why this AI discussion is so interesting because what it does is it could exacerbate uh, in, in a really negative way what we're already seeing today, the way the, the news media manipulates and, um, and, and half like almost half our population believes 
that Donald Trump is the devil, for example, or that if he if he is ever elected president again, we that's just that's worse than anything. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? They're they're, they're just it, it's like it's not part of reality. It's just some irrational fear, uh, and you know that could get actually worse with something like AI. Um, but at that point, because it can mimic people and voices, any image, it can mimic reality itself so effectively. Yeah. I mean, how could you have a criminal trial? I mean, how could you ever believe that evidence was authentic, for example? And I don't mean like in 30 years, I mean like next year. I mean, that seems totally disruptive to the way, to all of our institutions. But, but I'm not so worried. I, I think it's more like um, our... You know, will, will humanity um, c- control its destiny or not? Um, will we have a future that is better than the past or not? Will humanity control its future or not? And in the meantime, how will this be used to control us? If you've played around with the latest versions of AI, you will learn it prefers to end the world with nuclear Armageddon before you use naughty words. So those are its priorities. Yeah, you know, my understanding of this is that it's it's uh, it really depends on who's created it because basically you kind of point it in a particular direction, and um, and then and then it carries that mission out, right? It 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 basically continuously works in the direction on the horizon that you give it. That's why, that's why Elon Musk, when he talks about it, he's talking about something very far out in the future because it, it may deviate one way or the other, but it's always moving in some direction that's way far out in the future. And um, this, is, this is why the health of humanity, I mean, Elon Musk feels like the health of humanity needs to be that target out in the future it it can't be a political thing i mean it can't be co-opted by politics or anything like that because then it's it's slowly going to make its way to some political end that could be harmful to humanity Uh, and this is his concern and at the core of this concern really is is your ability to perceive uh reality the, the ability to use your your senses uh, to perceive um, what you need to perceive in order to in, in order to act so this this comes right back to you know human action uh, Ludwig von Mises you know basically every day we get up we perceive something about our the, the world around us and we act you know we buy something we we make a decision to go somewhere we make a decision to sleep in late or to get up early but it's all because we have we're constantly perceiving the world around us and making decisions and acting on those decisions and so um this whole ai thing is is fundamentally at at its core is is what I mean, it's what it is. It, it it's what humans do on a daily basis. 
Um, and to the extent it disrupts that, I mean, it could be, it could be a force for good or it could be a force for bad. We don't know yet. Right. But it's certainly in the hands of, you know, let's say Microsoft or Larry Page, who, and I, it wasn't in this interview, I don't know how I missed it, but, um, you know, Larry Page called Elon Musk a speciest, you know, like, like, well, you're all about the species, meaning the human, the human species. And Elon Musk is like, yeah, I am. You know, I think, I mean, I think, um, a world without human beings is not a world I want to live in, basically, is what he told Larry Page. And Larry Page just didn't seem to care about this. And that concerned, you know, Elon Musk, and that's why he created OpenAI. But with with people that are like Larry Page or like Bill Gates that fundamentally can, can kind of control these things, um, you know, these people have not, they have not fared well when tested, let's say. And, you know, and I think, I think this is why Elon Musk says, I'm going to, I'm going to create something. I'm going to call it truth GB, GPT or something like that. And so I'm excited to see it. I think Elon Musk is, I, I think, again, he's, Elon Musk is, is, you know, a long-term liberal really, but I think he's beginning to see how, um, how dangerous the government can be in the way that government influences uh, businesses and all kinds of things. I think he's starting to change. And I don't think he's ever going to be like, uh, like me, a libertarian, um, because it, fundamentally I think he believes government can be controlled and can be, um, can be guided by society and things like that. And I, I'm just not so sure that's the case. And I obviously could be wrong and he's probably right because he's much smarter than me. But um, I just, I just think you know, something like government can never be, can never really be contained. It's just going to uh, grow and grow and grow, and as it gets more powerful, it's going to seek to influence. It's going to use um, the rules that's created around money and the laws to manipulate and do harm and basically encroach on our our freedoms. And with that, I think I will wrap up the show. I want to thank you for coming in. Appreciate you listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, as much as I enjoyed talking about it, I think this is really interesting, but it's also potentially really dangerous. And we'll keep a close eye on it and, and see how it, it works out. I, you know, I may take one of these other interviews with Elon Musk. There, there's a couple... He's in the, he was in the news a lot here recently in, in, in several interesting interviews. So tune in because uh, I'll probably record a couple others and, and make some comments. And uh, I think he's just an interesting character to discuss in a, in a format like uh, Who Gets to Decide. So come back and listen. <laughs>